This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. Hello and welcome back to another Swanscast podcast and this week I am very happy to be joined by a very special guest and that is Kev Johns. I'm sure everybody will know that name who's listening to these podcasts and watching this video. So thank you very much for joining me Kev um, and welcome to Swanscast podcast. That's a pleasure mate and um, we're a great club you know and uh, there's no better than talking to fellow Jacks. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear all about your uh, stories about Swansea City, um, you know, going back to the vet field those days, how you became the announcer at the stadium or the voice of Swansea City, as some people might want to call it. But also, you know, I've grown up in Swansea and there's another side of yourself and your career that many Swans fans will have seen. And that's going to the Grand Theatre and seeing you maybe dressed up in other clothes um, <laughs> to entertain us. So so we'll talk all about all of that stuff uh, as, as we get through this podcast. Um, but yeah, so, so let's just make a start. For anyone that potentially doesn't know an awful lot about, about Kev Johns, born and bred in Swansea, um, 31 years to in pantomime, I believe if I got that correct. My goodness, yeah, it sounds awful when you say it. But I started That's not off- awful. Nah, I mean, I, I do other things. I, you know, I've done musicals, I've done Shakespeare plays, but pantomime is is always been a major part of my life. And uh, yeah. the first panto was at the Grand Pavilion in Porthcawl, where they have a CF postcode. Yeah, um, and uh, that was oh. back in uh, 1992. Yeah, yeah. So, so a long time, a lot of experience and entertaining. You know, families across Swansea and and both call, I guess, for years and years. Um, you've been an entertainment personality, an actor, journalist, radio host. Uh, been on the television, Welsh sitcom yeah. High Host, narrated a four-part series, The Demolition Men. Yeah, and 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 yeah, the voice of Swansea City. So when you go to the stadium and you hear that wonderful voice, getting the crowd going, introducing the teams. If you're lucky enough to go to Wembley, we're going to touch on this as well this is the voice that you will have heard and we're going to hear a lot more of it today and also you've got an autobiography i guess talking about a lot of this stuff as well i haven't had the luxury of reading it but it might be something i put on my christmas list 
It's cheap enough now, I'm sure. <laughs> it's but, been um, a while since we, we wrote that. And um, it, 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 there were a series of, uh, thanks to, to grants from the, the Welsh Arts Council, there were a series of us who, who did it, myself, um, or Mal Pope did one, uh, Roberto did one, all with the same publisher. And then uh, Trans did one. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it was nice to do. And it, there's, there's nothing... <laughs> It, it, it makes you, you know, it's it, maybe it's maybe it's feed of ego, but it's it's just lovely to to have something like that and to to know that somebody's actually interested in reading what you've done, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure there's there's many people interested in hearing and reading what you've done, and that's what we're going to get into today. So we're better to start than going right back to the beginning, and we'll start with um, football. So the yeah. way this podcast is going to work for those listening, if you want to maybe hop in, hop out if it's a little bit longer than what you normally listen to, maybe on your commutes. We're going to focus on Swansea City and the football side in the first half, and then we'll go to the other stuff then in the second half. And there's so much to get through. Whether we get through it all, you know, we'll see how we get on, and we'll probably go off on tangents and this, yeah. that, the other. But let's go to the beginning. I just want to ask first and foremost, obviously, I know you're a big Swansea City fan. You're really involved with the football club. So mm. where did it all begin for you in terms of supporting the Swans and your association then with the club as well? I'm, I'm a Swan supporter and um, always have been. And uh, I, they've been my only team as well. You know, I've only ever supported uh, Swansea City Football Club. My only brief flirtation with another team was when we lived in Colwyn Bay. And I just used to go and watch Colwyn Bay in what was then the Northwest Counties League because it was a football match uh, to yeah. watch. You know, I, I lived in... We, I worked in Liverpool, never went to see Liverpool, never went to see Everton. A couple of times I went to see Tranmere Rovers with a friend at Prenton Park, but I've never had a second club since that first time. My dad took me to um, the, the vets with my, with Uncle Jack. Now, Uncle Jack wasn't an uncle, but he lived next door. And I grew up at a time where you called everybody uncle, you know, an auntie, whether you were related or not. And we went to see, I think it was a, a friendly at the end of the season. The Swans were helping out Newport County, who at the time were always struggling and reapplying applying for re-election. And um, I went and we went on the, the North Bank. And you know what? I was just hooked. I love football then, you know, but to, to see a game live. And um, the following season, we got season tickets. And my dad and I used to go every home game to the double-decker which um, was just notorious, you know. There was one way in, one way out. It was made of wood. Everybody smoked. And uh, you didn't give any thoughts to, to, to safety. But you could shout to Tony Millington and the away goalkeeper and they could hear everything you said. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience. And anybody who stood on the North Bank, that experience you get when you, you walk up the slope, and you, you just come over the little dip there, especially in an evening game, and you get to see the pitch and smell the turf with the floodlights. It's just a magical experience. There's something that I unfortunately never got to experience because my father and my parents didn't like football. No. So I didn't get into the Swans in terms of being able to go watch them until I was a little bit older. And unfortunately, we had already moved on from the Vetch at that time. I did get into them around then. I used to deliver the Evening Post and... I would kind of get my swans fixed from the back pages because that's all I could get. Uh, but it's something I wish I experienced. So hearing stories from from yourself and others about what it was like, you know, that's that's what I got to get my uh, my memories from. So it's, it sounds very interesting, and I'd imagine you just can't replicate that these days. And 
it must be something that's definitely missed by a lot of people. Oh, there was there was a great atmosphere there, and to skip on a few years just for a moment when I started doing the the the, the, the introductions and the entertainment or whatever on the, on the pitch, I used to remember <clears> with the radio mic I used to stand on the wall of of the North Bank and getting everybody to sing uh, Delilah or whatever the songs we were singing uh, were at the time, and it was just a magical experience you know and um something that i i will never ever forget and uh I, it's probably you know some of the, the greatest experiences of my my life have, have involved swansea city yeah uh, i think a lot of people will will share that as well and recent memories the 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 rise up through the leagues i think swansea city is such an important part of so many people's lives but you're obviously connected in such a big way and you just touched on it there but you're doing the introductions. So I want to ask, how, how did that come about then? So I, you're a Swans fan, you used to go with your dad, season ticket holder. But how did you become the voice of the stadium? I, um, I was working with a company in London who, uh, they, they did all the, the promotion for what was the Coca-Cola Cup and then became the Worthington Cup. So right throughout the, the, the life of the, of, the, of, the, of the Cup, I would go to different places. We would have fans five-a-side tournaments. And then when the, when the Wembley final came, uh, I went on the pitch at halftime, introduced the two, two final teams, and they would play a kind of five-a-side game on the pitch at Wembley. And I remember I was, I was working for Swansea Sound. I was chatting to one of the guys from the Evening Post one day, and he said, what are you doing the weekend? I said, well, Saturday I'll, I'll go up to London, and uh, Sunday then I'll be um, doing this you know, pitch stuff at Wembley. I said, oh, there's an interesting story. I said, there's no story, really. It's just, you know, what I do is just, you know, yeah. a bit of work. And um, they wrote a story, a little, a tiny little piece in the Evening Post saying the Swans may have not made it to the Wembley final, but uh, the city will be represented. And they said that I was doing it. And um, one of the guys from the Swans rang up and he said, I just read this story about you. I said, oh, yeah, well, you know. He said, why don't you do that for us? And I said, you've, you've never asked me. And... Um, he, he, he said, well, I'm asking. I said, well, well, I'll do it. He said, we can't afford to pay you. I said, I'm not asking for any money. And I just had um, some tickets for myself, my dad, my son. And uh, and that that's what we did for many, many years. You know, I, I just went to watch the game and I would have been there anyway. So I thought, well, I may as well, well, we'll do something. So that's how I started, you know, introducing the teams. And we started doing the penalty shootouts at uh, Half time, and you know, people say, Oh, the penalty shootout's gone for a long time. But the kids who take part in the penalty shootout absolutely love it. Yeah. It's an unforgettable experience for them, particularly at the stadium we're at now, this incredible modern stadium. And they can go out on the pitch wearing the same kit as their heroes, and they they, 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 they take the penalties at well, Cyril or so on. But for them, it's a magical experience. No, and do you know what? I actually have a colleague in work who recently. Um, had their their child take part in that and talking to me obviously know when I do this about the experience and and what they saw their the child enjoying that experience and you could just see the face light up when when talking yeah. about it and how much it meant to them and how much they enjoyed it definitely going to do it again so I think that is definitely important and is something that you know what you you want to obviously inspire the next generation to continue to come to the stadium yeah. and want to follow their heroes and think there's a chance maybe of being one of them one day i guess and it's a small part of that isn't it it's not just about creating 
and, and finding football players for the future. Obviously, we we have a, we have an academy which is doing a magnificent job in in identifying local talent. But we have to identify fans of the future, fans yeah. who, like myself, went with their their parents or with their dads uh, to to watch the Swans. You know, eight. I think I was eight when I first went there, and I'm I'm still now watching the Swans. All those years later, so I started in the 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2000 teens and 2020s. And I'm still watching the Swans, you know, and whilst I, I, I do have a role there on match day, I'd be there anyway. Yeah, exactly. And in your role as stadium announcer, if, if that's what we'll, we'll call it, okay. I'm guessing you got more involved within the club. Uh, can you talk yeah. about any of your involvement during the time at the Vetch as well? Then there were some. One of the most memorable moments, sadly, is a moment I wish had never happened. It was when we lost dear Terry Coles at at Rotherham, and that was quite an, a, a day of mixed emotions. Because strictly speaking, it should have been a day of celebration. We we if we won. Um, we went. We would go up as champions. If they won, I think they would have gone top. But we still would have gone up. Whatever happened at the end of that game, whoever won, lost, or, or if it was a draw, which it was, both sides would have been promoted from League uh, Two to League One. And I guess at that level, it's not about being champions. It's about getting out of the division and getting to a yeah. higher division. So it should have been a celebration of football. And uh, I remember getting there early with my family, and I got in. We got in early, and um, we were walking up this this lane. And I understand later on, it, it got it got fuller as fans came in, and some of the the, the the home fans they started throwing things at the the, the at our fans, and the police made a decision to. To, to get involved, and, and the, you know the story of the horse uh, that that came down uh, a, a lane, which was a very narrow lane, and there sadly there was a collision with dear Terry Coles who was coming into the game with his with his friends, and and he died as a result of of his injuries. So that was the final game of the season. With the game was a draw, we were champions. There were no celebrations. The following day. We all kind of gathered at the vetch. The, the club opened, the, uh, opened the, the, the ground and people were coming in and bringing, bringing flowers. And I'll never forget, on, on the Monday, completely different. I was on my way to London uh, to have a photograph taken for the Panto poster. It was my, my first role as, as dame and I was going up on the train to have a photo taken with, with the company. And I had a phone call saying, look, tomorrow night um, we were playing Aston Villa. It was Keith Walker's testimonial. And um, the, the Aston Villa, John Gregory, he was bringing his full team. He brought his full team. We were, they were playing in a cup final on the following Saturday. But there was a full team: Gareth Southgate, David James, and and uh, all those great, you know, Villa names. And they came and he said they asked if I would just lead a prayer into a minute silence, uh, which Swans fans are very good at doing, um, and still to this day are excellent at yeah. doing. And uh, we, I, I just led this little prayer for Terry's family and his friends, and we had the silence. And that's why I, I'll always have great respect for Gareth Southgate, even though he, 
you know, he's the England manager now, and I'm a Welsh football fan. But um, he he came and he was. Well, I went into the villa dressing room before the game just to explain what we were doing, how we were going to do it, and they were most concerned. And you know, I I, I hadn't had any involvement with with Terry's family. They had their own, you know, uh, backup and support. I was just doing that for the Swans and he was most concerned, you know, how are the family, how are they doing? Will you pass on my regards? And they brought a wreath to, to lay. And um, so I have great respect for them as a club and for him as as, as a sportsman. And, and that was a very emotional. And that night when I asked them to bow their heads in silence, you literally could have heard a pin drop. Um, there was 100%, no, no mobile phones went off, nobody shouted. Uh, no one was late coming into the game. Uh, it was it was remarkable, and that probably was one of the most memorable moments there. And um, and then of course you know our last game, uh, our last league game at, at the Vetch, we we sang the national anthem. We had entertainment glow on the pitch that day. That was a memorable day as we said farewell to uh, a, a ground that had served us so well and given us so many memories. And we were moving on to pastures new, and um, and the, the stadium is, you know, the, what was the Liberty, and now the the Swansea.com stadium has created new memories for us. And I always believe that the night that we played Nottingham Forest in that playoff semi-final was the night that we discovered the stadium discovered its voice. And um, I've been to rugby internationals, you know, and I've heard hymns and arias. I've, I've done shows with Max Boyce in theatre shows, and he's led the audience in singing, but I've never heard hymns and arias sung like the Swans, that like Jack Army sung it that night, and it came from nowhere. And um, so both stadiums have given us incredible memories and wonderful moments. A few yeah. tea and jerkers as well, but uh, a few special times. Definitely plenty of special times. That's a touching story there. Kind of shows maybe the darker past of parts of football, yeah. but also a touching part of what also can be brought together by the community feeling the sport and Swansea and, and Aston Villa in this, this occasion have offered. And it's quite nice to hear that um, as much as it is probably an emotional you know, memory and time to have gone it, through. It's, it is banter, you know. We don't hate anybody, and this 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 rivalry between Swansea and Cardiff, uh, Cardiff and Bristol City, Sunderland, yeah. Newcastle. Um, <clears throat> I've lived in Liverpool, so I, I know the the rivalry, not just in a city, but in in a house. You could get a family of four; two will be Liverpool supporters, two will be Everton supporters, and it, it, it's it's banter. It, it, yeah. It's banter, you know. But at the end of the day, when you lose someone. People should come together. There are always going to be a few idiots. But, you know, when, when you lose somebody, you, you, you show the sympathy and show the love that and the respect that the, that person deserves. Yeah, and, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? At the end of the day, we all are enjoying the same thing. So as a collective, it's, it's good to celebrate yeah. that and come together in those moments as well. Before we maybe move on from the Vetch as a whole, there was one other occasion I wanted to talk to you about, and it's... Maybe not also the best memory, but I guess it's bittersweet in a way. And and that's the period in 2002 when Tony Petty was you know, forced out or left, however you want to put it. And I would just like to hear your account, really, about your involvement, if that's something you, you're happy to talk about. Because I know you were involved and a lot of good has come from that, really, for the club. It kind of sent us up on the on the trajectory of 
where we are today and we're not at the peak anymore but in recent memory we have been and that's a big part of that story you know we had the documentary tracked with king that talked a lot about it as well but some of the younger fans might not have seen that they might not be fully aware of who tony petty was and what happened back then so i feel like who better to kind of talk about that moment in our history well he, he came from nowhere you know and all of a sudden this guy owns the club and we're putting people's jobs at risk and players' careers at, at risk, you know, and um, he bought the club for next to nothing. <clears throat> and and, and knew, knew, he didn't know anything about football, to be honest with you. Um, he didn't know anything at all about it. And um, I, I did get involved. Um, and there, there were some things happened behind the scenes. I, I used contacts that I had through... The radio through through connections with with the council to to try and help the guys who had were putting up the money and trying to buy the club off him and um, I, I, the worst day was I had a phone call from somebody saying um, Tony Petty had put a, a story out that they, they, we set up the, the supporters trust and um, I, I hosted this incredible meeting in the party pavilion which launched and everybody signed up for the supporters trust and players came and and spoke so eloquently and passionately about what was going on putting their own jobs at, at risk in doing that and um all of a sudden i had this phone call saying them um, that the story was going around that that in, in opposition to the supporters trust they were setting up a supporters board and tony Petty was setting up a supporters board and um and, and I was on the supporters board. I didn't know anything about it. No one was spoken to me about it. And I didn't want anything to do with it. And I got a little bit angry, so angry, <laughs> that somebody said to somebody, you better ring Kevin and, and calm him down. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I said to the family, I said, look, I said, I just, let's, Leslie, we're playing at home. And I said, let's go and watch the Reds. Let's go down there. And uh, we went into the Jock Steam uh, suite because Vic Gomez has always been a friend and Vic was the commercial manager at the time and he saw us come in, he said, come in for a cup of tea. And I walked into the Jock Steam suite and it was the first person I bumped into. Tony Perdy was there with Colin oh. Addison, the 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 the, the, um, the the manager. I thought, flip it heck. And um, we'd had a face-to-face and I, I, I got a bit emotional. I said, please, don't mess up with my football club. And then he came in one day um, to to do the phoning program on a Sunday morning that I hosted on so on. He said, a man alive. He took a battering. Oh my goodness. He he was almost shaking, you know? And um, that was the last I saw of him. Um, and was the that the final time, straw then for him to... Yeah, to I think, do you know what? I think so. I think he needed, I think the final straw was the game we played, I was it against Orient and we'd, we'd had a, a, a demonstration march through through the city which um, I, the, 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 one of the guys at the club said, well, what's going on? You're on the pitch representing us, and then you lead in the march. And I said, look, my, my priority is Swansea City Football Club. It's the club I love. And he, he took he, he took a real battering uh, that day. And uh, they were Orient supporters in, on the march with us, which is why Swansea City fans will always have great respect again for Orient fans, because what, what they did, and um, I, 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 the boys then were able to uh, to do to do a deal and and can just buy the football club back off him, um, which is all all 
public knowledge and and well known but you know there was still a lot of work to to do you know they they um, they, they still had a lot of stuff uh, to do and Nick Kusek and Roger Freestone stepped in maybe they weren't ready for that position but they they stepped in and then then Flynnie came and is a man that I I I couldn't love him more if he was my father, and um, Flynnie came and he, he he brought in players like Leon and Tady and and Trans and um, you know we 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 managed to to win that game and 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 protect our our status as a as a football league club and um, you know who knows what would happened if we if that had gone somewhere gone differently look at Wrexham you know yeah uh, Wrexham was it 15 16 years they were out of of the football league trying to get back in and um it, it's taken them until you know this last past year to get back and who knows what would have happened so were you that were you involved at all with the the direction of the new ownership at that time and or is it is it were they just people who were were sort of put their hands up to take over the running of uh, the money they, up and they were guys that i knew yeah. And guys that I respected and a great deal of affection for, but um, I wasn't myself in a financial position to, to, to be able to, to do what they did. So our job then was to support them and to give them yeah. all the help they need and to, to host any meetings they were having, to do any fundraising projects that they were having and, and to use any contacts that we had to, to, to help them. But, um, you know, Hugh Jenkins, Martin, um, Dave Morgan uh, and, and those guys, you know, uh, John Van Sweden, and I'm going to forget somebody, so I'm going to stop naming names there. You know, <laughs> they, they 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 did their best, and um, yeah. uh, you know, to, to to pay the wages and to to keep the gates open, and um, and the fans, you know, the football trust, the supporters trust, rather, they were they were absolutely magnificent. Um, you know, they they held them and supporters chipped in to pay players' wages, you know, um, and, and it was what what supporters did was absolutely fantastic. And remember that the guys who stepped forward, they were just that. They were supporters one week and local businessmen, yes, but they were supporters. Next thing, they had the responsibility for running the football club. And, um, you know, whatever has happened since, we mustn't forget that. Yeah, I think... I think it's important to remember where it came from. People can remember the, the more recent history with, with certain opinions. Yeah. But also look at the wider football league and there's other clubs that what you were just saying isn't too unfamiliar with other clubs currently or in recent years, in the last year or two. And it wasn't, you know, it was us not that long ago. So whenever you think about how things are right now, just remember that time, I think, is, is always an important a message from what you've just said because we were on the brink of what could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But you know, we're still in a quite a tidy position when when it when it comes to the reality of of the situation. And I, and, I yeah. always think that the two most difficult divisions or leagues to get out of are the Championship. Why? Because it's full of ex Premier League clubs, the yeah. Premier League budgets, and the other one that's hard to get out of is the Conference or whatever they call a conference now but that is full of ex-league teams if you look through that league they're, they're all ex-league teams they've all yeah. played in the football leagues and some are quite you know a good level and it's it's hard to get out and i i have no I, i'm too even frightened to think what would have happened 
but we we won that game against Hull, and you know we we, we went up. It was next day. It was it was our day. That was yeah. our first day, and um, we were and from that moment on, great things happened. Incredible yeah. things. Yeah, they did indeed. And I want to maybe move on to some of those incredible things. And considering you just mentioned that quote, if you like, <laughs> I'll probably, we'll go straight on to that because, you know, the transition and all that, you you, you, you nailed it. Um, but I want to play a little clip and then we'll talk about it. Okay. But maybe one of your most memorable moments in your role as uh, the voice of Swansea City um, was the playoff final yeah. and the speech you did before the game. You know, you can you can compare it directly because there's two teams in this playoff final, Swansea against Reading, and you can compare directly how both teams were introduced, and it just it set the day up, you know, and obviously the result followed, but I just think it makes a massive difference to the fan experience, the atmosphere, the sort of like, the motivation even of the fans of the players. You just build everyone up. But I'm going to play it now because. You know, it's a little bit tripped down memory lane and some, some fans might not have been lucky enough to go and some younger fans, maybe they haven't heard it yet, but this is Kev Johns getting us all going on the playoff final. is you know that's historic that is part of folklore part of our culture our history everything everyone remembers that it's so important such an important speech i just want to where did it come from like where where did that come from was it just spontaneously just came out I, or did you plan it i would just love to know sort of the background the history of of that speech i didn't plan anything i, I just thought i was going to go on there and get him singing the swansea city song uh, that's what had happened in the past. But then the guy from Reading, he went first. And he went out there and he said, oh, he more or less said, it's not about the team that's playing today. It's about every... And he, he just read all these names of Reading players and squad members. And he had a clipboard. I'm always wary of anybody who's got a clipboard. <laughs> and, um, and, and he introduced the song, um, Don't Stop Believing. And the only thing I had in my mind is I was going to go on. I was kicking myself, saying, look at this guy, he's prepared. What have you got, John? It's nothing. This is why you don't get anywhere in life. This is why you haven't got on. Because you, you don't prepare. You don't, you know. And the only thing I had in mind is I was going to go on and do the gag about they sang a song from Glee. And um, I, I went on there. And I, and I kind of got a bit emotional because I thought of all the Swans fans who weren't there that day. My, my own dad had, had recently had heart surgery. He wasn't there. Um, I, I thought of, of uh, Reg Pike, who had served the clubs for years, Major Pike, who, who, wasn't, who wasn't with us 
any month longer and and um lots of others in fact even looking at that clip now there i saw somebody in the crowd who lost somebody important to them who and i had spoken at the funeral service so i you know i can see now there were there were others there and i, I got a bit emotional so that's where the our day this is our day came from and then they shouted either on i say it again and uh, there was somebody waiting on the side from the production company who had taken over from the company that I used to work for doing Worthington stuff. So I, I knew him and um, he, I, he had somebody and they were waiting to pull me off. I thought I'm going nowhere, but I knew that <laughs> if they didn't go anywhere, they switched my microphone off. So I got into the song and then they, they pulled me off, but it was, it was a, a, a very, a very special day, you know? And um, when we went, well, I was sitting in the press box and when I went one nil up, I, I knew, and um, somebody from the football league came down and told me that we don't behave like that in the press box. Because in the press box, you're not supposed to wear colours, you're not supposed to show allegiance, you're supposed to be independent members of the press. No chance. When we went 2 0 up, I jumped up again, he gave me a filthy look. When we went 3 0 up, I ran the whole length of the press box, high fived all the boys from BBC Radio Wales, except Jason Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's important. That is. That's yeah, very important. You're going and to get I, blocked now. <laughs> and I and I yeah, I will be blocked. And um and I kissed Lee Trundle on the lips, and I swear to this day he closed his eyes, and um and I went back, and, and then the guy then was like, I think he was really ready to, to kick me out, and I, I apologize. I said, oh sorry, I got all because I didn't want to miss out the halftime buffet in the press box because I had like really good stuff. Like, I'd see the buffet when I. You know, I'm not missing that out. Hot salmon, cream cheese, everything. So, uh, and then when you know when we went four two up, because they, they came back to three two. If they, yeah, and and then it, there was a like block by Monk when they that to it me could have been three That to me was the most important moment of that game. That block by Gary Monk. Because if they'd have gone three three, I, I they would have had the impetus. I think we would have lost the game. They would yeah, have gone. I agree. And. Um, but we, 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 the crowd, we won it. And uh, I, I, I've spoken to Reading supporters who were there and said, um, when when you went on, we knew we had lost the atmosphere advantage because um, it kind of took, the, the, the glee gag took the wind out of their sails. And I've got a friend <laughs> who's from Reading. He was there in the Reading in that day. And um, he said, oh, you fans, you all murdered us. And, uh, you know, we, we won the game. And... Um, we got in the Premier League. We were in the Premier League, what, seven seasons? You know, they yeah. gave us more chance of finding Elvis alive than staying up that first season. And, um, you know, we we had some magnificent moments in the Premier League. And uh, that's why I remember talking to a Cardiff fan in Greggs before uh, an international just by their stadium. And, you know, they, they had their first season in the Premier League and they had all that trouble going on off the pitch with their ownership. And they they had they didn't enjoy their season in the Premier League. And he admitted, he said, You're right. You know, and even though towards the end of that period, we, we but we had some great matches in that Premier League. Yeah. And we, we had some great victories. We beat some of the biggest names in, in Premier League football. And um, we got into Europe and you know, we, we had we had a great time. And and football is a funny old game, and do you know what? It may not seem like it today. But our day will come again. Our day will come again. I, I know it will. I, I, it, it might take a season. It might take two seasons or three seasons. 
But whatever happens between now and then, we'll still keep going to the Swans and enjoying the football. That's a tremendous account of your matchday experience from the playoff final. If we ever do get Lee Trundle to come and grace our presence here, I'll ask him how he felt about that moment between yourself and him. Well, how, Trundle, how intimate I, it was. I, I, drew, I, drew, I, I drove up and back on the day, you know. And I remember getting to the same bridge. And they were tunneled. They were toll fees at the time. And there was a huge queue of people waiting to get back over, all Swans fans. And Trundle was in a car which had a sunroof. And he was parked in, they were stuck in the jam. And Trundle was out of the roof like the American president, waving and getting everybody singing. And, um, you know, Lee is, is Swansea through and through. And they, they are. Leon Britain, you know, I see Leon uh, a lot. I see Lee a lot because we all work together on match day doing hospitality, yeah. pre-match hospitality. And um, you, th- those boys are, whatever their accents are, they are Swansea through and through. They still live in a city. And you'd be surprised how many Swansea City players have come from other parts of, of the UK. But when their careers are, are over, they've stayed in Swansea. Angel Rangel still lives locally. Alan Tate, he's up in, in, in Forest at the moment, but where's his home? Local. You know, still lives here. And uh, that such is the affection that they have and people have for them. Yeah, it'd be great if it was... I, I'm Obviously, I guess after you retired, they want to move on, but I think fans' nostalgia, they'd love to see more of the past players in some capacity. I don't know what that is, Absolutely. but... You know, it'd be it. good if if there was some way of them getting included in in the club. Some of the others that maybe are a bit quieter, yeah. like Rangel, you mentioned, that would be something good to see maybe in the in the future. But um, yeah, I, I I we we all know you you do hospitality and you do it so well and look after us on on the match days. Um, have you had any highlights then from in the Liberty Stadium or the Swansea dot com Stadium? We talked about some of your moments from the Vetch. I know we've talked about the playoffs and the playoff final. It's a quite a long period now to talk about for for the for the new ground, which isn't so new anymore. But maybe some highlights across both our time in the Championship and Premier League that you you would like to talk about. I love that day we beat Bristol City. Was it seven nil seven one? That was um, that was one of my favourite Liberty games. And the night we we beat Forest and Brendan went running off down the the touchline and suddenly realised that he was doing that on national television, probably international <laughs> television, and uh, that that was um, that was a, a, a great moment as well. And do you know what? The, the supporters are just they're just magnificent, and um, we we do get sometimes in in hospitality fans who life is they're, they're going through tough times, and um, the the joy. That that football club brings to them is is incredible, and I, a, a, a lady died recently, Catherine, who was um, she was disabled, and um, in some ways, life had not been kind to her, and uh, she was she passed away this season, and I, I remember she came into hospitality um, on the first day of the first game of the season is it Birmingham City we play yeah and she said to me oh Kevin she said I I am so excited I woke up this morning I was singing um knowing that she was back watching um the, the Swans and I remember her uh in you know her, her, her dad had a bit of a um a business role and 
a bit of an influence at the club. She used to sit in the director's box. And I remember having a go at the referee. And um, she's been supporting the Swans since she was a, a child. And, um, you know, you, you when you meet those people and you meet fellow supporters, you know, it's, it's that's what the club is all about. Yeah. Players come. <laughs> Managers come, boy, the managers flipping come and go. Um, players, especially these days. Yes, players come and go. But the one thing that is consistent is is the Jack Army, people who have supported this club for years. Some have come on board in in recent days, but are solid Swansea City supporters, and that's why I love working with the commercial and the media department because that, that it's not a job to them. It's, you know, they are all Swansea City Port supporters through and through. And they it's, it's a, they love what they do and they love yeah. the Swans. They love the club. No, they do indeed. And that, and that definitely comes across with what we see as well. Speaking of the media department, I was having a look around before this, this, this chat and found a video of you singing Carpool Karaoke a couple of years ago. Sorry, uh, I, was, I think it was. I didn't know the words. I didn't know what the song was. I, I didn't, didn't know I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't notice, but that's fine. That's not what I was going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to sing. Don't worry. Oh, but I did I... pick up on something from the video. We talked about Wembley. I plug in We're my gonna... laptop and keep talking. That's all right. That's all right. You you go do that. Um, we talked about Wembley already from our first visit. We'll talk about our second, and we've got the third one's not so good. Maybe we'll touch on it. Maybe we won't. <laughs> but the second visit, <laughs> um, obviously the the Capital One Cup final. There was a little bit of a story about uh, champagne. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of that with us. Well, we won. We won the cup. And I was doing some work with the media department, which meant I was able to go into the dressing room after the game. And and, and Chico. Of course Chico it was Chico. Of course it was yeah, Chico. Yeah, not Chico ice skating, because <laughs> I know him, as, but Chico Flores. Came behind me, and he, he poured a bottle of champagne or beer or something all over my head. Now, it was all right for the players to do that, because they had access to showers, towels, and a change of clothes. It was freezing cold that day. It was like I've never known it so cold. What it was it, February? Yeah, February. February. Yeah. I had a suit on and I had my duffel coat on. All right. And that's all I had. And I got covered in alcohol. And I had to go home smelling like a brewery. And I got home and my wife said to me, she said, You stink. And I'm not a drinker. <laughs> I don't. And I said, I know. And I said, You won't believe it. I said, I was in the, in the dressing room. And she's well, and somebody poured over me. That's a stupid thing to do. And I, I said, you don't get it. I said, I've been a strong supporter since I was eight, and I, we won a cup final at Wembley, and I'm in the dressing room with a team after they won a cup final. You, I, you can't buy an experience no, like that. No, and can't. the comment actually was, well, you're lucky that Morrison's dry clean three items for fifteen pound. Because that meant I could get my suit, jacket, trousers, and my 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 top, and my duffel clean for fifteen quid. But you can't. You know what? If 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 I had one of those, you know, lifetime experience opportunities, that Definitely would be wouldn't cost fifteen pound, would it? It would be more than fifteen pound. Yeah, fifteen quid, flipping heck, you know. And um. Can't buy that on Virgin Experiences. No, definitely not. And you know what? If we get to the playoffs this year and get to the playoff final, you'd be paying more than £15 for that deal ah, this, this year. Oh, That's I'd for sure. It. I'd love it. As long <laughs> as you won like the last one. 
But no, that's a money can't buy experience. I think a lot of fans would uh, would enjoy that lap up all the champagne from uh, Chico Flores in the in the dressing rooms after the cup final win. Obviously, I, that sent I, us on our European trip. I loved him. You know, he, he, I remember um, there was a wonderful dinner at the stadium. Um, Angel Rangel and his lovely wife Nikki. They'd been out in town, and they'd seen whatever they were eating. They were seeing this seen this food that was being thrown out at the end of the of the night. And they intervened, they got the food, they took it to a homeless shelter and they wanted to do something for the homeless. So we put on a, they put on a dinner, which I hosted at the stadium and all the players came and it was a great night. You know, everybody, everybody did everything for free. The PA, the singers, everybody. And uh, Chico came up, he went, Kevin, I'm doing a Spanish accent here. I love you. And his English wasn't very good at the time. I love you like a sister. I said, what? I love you like a sister. And then Angel was spitting me, no, 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 I mean brother, brother, brother. Uh, he was just, he was such a personality, great footballer as well. And um, I, I kind of love that team, you know, I love that generation, you know, Teddy and, and, and Monks and, and Leon and Truns and Angel and um, and the other Spanish boys. They, they were such a joy. And, they were always and roberto they always made themselves available to the city i'm not saying that they, the guys do that today is but they were always out and they, they 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 went to the same pubs they went to the same clubs they shopped in the same shops as everybody and everybody had access to them and there was a wonderful connection between the club and and the fan base my favorite period as well is the brendan loudrop sort of squad that sort of time is definitely yeah. In terms of the players, and you know, you mentioned some of them there. That's definitely my my highlights, and those players took us into our European adventure. Yeah. Did you manage to go any of the to those away trips, or like well, what I, highlights? I never went abroad, um, but the, the highlights, you know, when we played the Swiss club, and they all marched, like they marched them up from the railway station, and there were flares going off, and uh, <laughs> and the Russian one, I, I had to name the Russian. <laughs> Russian side, and I done Russian in school, in Denver school back in the seventies. We 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 had we did Russian. I wasn't very good, you know. And I went up to the interpreter. I was strasvut, and he thought I spoke Russian. I only know about five sentences. And uh, but those were magical nights, and we did ourselves great credibility, you know. We we came out through that period and. Um, it, it lasted when it lasted and it ended when it ended. But, it, you yeah. know, it was a marvellous experience for for club and, and fan base. And I, I love that team. But saying that, you know, today's team, um, Matt, Matt Grimes is a great supporter. He, he's he's involved with, with um, Stand Up for Downs, um, the local down syndrome charity. And he, he, he's... They, they, Lots of players do things that you don't always get to see, but still, Trundle is is out there. Leon is out there supporting the club and the community. Yeah, it would, it would be lovely to see some of the current squad when you know when their time does come. If they can, we get, you know we get a few more of them legends, if you yeah. like, the stick around ambassadors. I think there's a couple I've been here long enough to get into that mould, but um, time I think will tell Grimes, what happens. Grimes, you know, I, I put Matt Grimes in that category. You know, he, he, I just hope he retires here. That's that's what I mean. Retire here, stay here. I would love it. We'd maybe be lucky for that to happen, but you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, 
just to end on on that passage of what we were chatting about then you did just mention it you know it ended when it ended i just want to ask about your thoughts then about about the end obviously we talked about the introduction of the ownership that led us on a successful journey they are no longer with us we obviously have a new ownership team now we've got some american owners and there's been a lot of change even in the last year or so in regards to the top end of the club but from the inside and you might not know an awful lot but i think fans just love to know any little details they can the changeover and that that period is there any anything you can share about your thoughts really on on that time and how that went down and you know a lot of fans maybe struggle with it so just curious if you've got anything to add and to give us any sort of information really in that time do, do you know what i <clears throat> this may seem like a common i don't get that information now um no that's fair I, I, yeah. the only thing i would say with there was a forum uh, a fans forum recently at the stadium and um uh, the, all, all the senior guys were there uh, including the chairman and, and i thought he was incredibly honest and upfront with with everybody and um i i was down the the opening of the fourth boot room uh which is a remarkable charity which i'm sure you know lots about and they they opened up um a, a fourth boot room in the hub down in in the the mumbles and um they they were all explaining you know what they needed at the moment they needed more space and um they, they, they were explaining that you know they needed some storage space and they were going to buy some containers you know the big containers and that will hopefully would, would help the problem and uh, you know they'd have to raise the money for it and the chairman interrupted the chairman of the swans was there as a guest and he said how much is that going to cost you and it's about two and a half grand and he said well we'll cover that we will we, we, we'll. and i and i thought that was a lovely moment he didn't have to this say is that. Andy coleman Andy Coleman, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I, 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 I mean, I came up with a gag. He said, "I said yeah, it was nice of Andy to do that." He responded quickly and asked how much it would cost. I said, "I would have said four grand and go four grand up to him," you know. Um, but I, you speak as you find, and those are my yeah. experiences uh, so far. And um, you know, I, I've not had the best of health in in recent weeks, and we can talk about that if you want later. Yeah. But they were very kind to me and very supportive of, of, of me during that period. And um, you have to speak as you find. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure not everything is perfect and I'm sure not everything is right. I'm sure mistakes will be made because people are human and whatever there are humans, yeah. mistakes will, will be made. But um, in terms of supporting the club, supporting the team, uh, we, we always have to be 100% behind our team. No, I understand. And I know it's a difficult question. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think I was coming up from the perspective, obviously, you, you you dealt with the changeover of past, which was, for me, a lot more toxic. This one happened in maybe a most successful time. And as much as some fans have criticism, don't like certain things that have happened, yeah. as I touched on earlier, really, it's a reminder of what it could have been. It could have been, it could still be a lot worse. It's not end of the world i think and yeah. there is learnings to be had as you've just said now it isn't perfect and that's fine but what what club is really that a lot of clubs have got issues yeah. and stuff they need to iron out and people well, trying well, to I make decisions to make better everybody who goes into that game on a match day whether they be a season ticket holder or a match holder 
they have paid good money for their season ticket. Yeah. They pay good money for their ticket. So whatever their opinion is, they have every right to express that opinion publicly and privately. The only thing I hope sometimes people would do is they would just maybe give some thought to how they express that opinion. Yeah. And, and let's never let it get nasty. Let's remember that that's... people are human beings and have feelings. And you have every, we have every right to express our, our, our feelings. Because as I said, in 10 years time, the ownership, the management, the, the playing makeup will be totally different maybe. But yeah. we'll still be there. You and I will still be there watching the Swans. Tons will still be there watching the Swans. And those guys who sit in the East Stand, in the South Stand, the West Stand, and parts of the North Stand, they will still be there paying good money. So people have the right to their opinion. I just wish sometimes, do we always need to be so hurtful? No, I totally agree. And I think that is that sums it up well. And yeah, well said, really. Um, okay, so I haven't got too much more to talk about when it comes to maybe the history of the Swans, but I want to touch on today, the current performance, the current ongoings. Obviously, we've got Michael Duff in charge. How do you think right now, what, what's your, your honest opinions on where we are as a football club right now? Um, I, I think that this season saw massive changes, didn't it? We had a, a complete change in in management, in coaching staff, yeah. you know, when, when Russell went to um to Zampton, he, he took some good good boys, Gilly and and you know, uh, he took some good boys with him. And um we we brought in a new manager and a new direct sporting director who brought in I think was it thirty new players to, yeah, to the club. Some of some of whom I think they're amazing. You know, I'm a massive yeah. fan of Josh, who's come from Exeter, uh, a fullback who's been injured these last few weeks, and I think his lack of presence on the pitch, we've we've missed it. You know, definitely. And I think when we get it right, we get it right. And um, unfortunately, there have been some some down days, and um, you know, we. we the Cardiff game was dreadful, and, and everybody admits that it was, it was dreadful. And that is such an important game to both sets of supporters. And the last, you know, four games have been absolutely magnificent. And that day, it was a poor game. I don't think any of us, any side, came out of it with with shining the glory. You know, it's just that the, the Cardiff City went won won it at home, and we, we we didn't win it. But then we went on that little run. Which was spectacular. I thought we played yeah. against Leicester. I thought we were amazing. You know, I, I never enjoyed losing three one in, in all my life. Um, you know, and uh, it's still early days, and um, I understand fans' frustration. And um, I, you know, I, I, I stand at the back of the stand so people can't hear what I'm saying sometimes, and what I'm what I'm what I'm shouting. And, and Vic Gomez. So, stands next to him, which is to me 
a, a, a magnificent thing. Vic Gormeslow, when I started watching the Swans, was my hero. I played as a as a junior footballer. I was a fullback, right back. He was a he was a left back. He was my hero, and I stand at the back of the press box watching the game with Vic Gormeslow for goodness sake, you know. And you know, we we also when when we Trundle and I do a Q and A in hospitality. We we have promised that we'll always be honest. And if we're playing poorly, we'll say we're playing poorly. If poor decisions have been made, we, we'll say it. You know, we because what's the point of saying anything different? Because those yeah. that you are speaking to are watching the same game as you, so you can't go and say, "Well, I thought we were brilliant today. We were outstanding." And um, you know, we, we've we've had some poor refereeing decisions, uh, particularly uh, in the last home game. Um, some dreadful decisions, but you know you have to be honest, and I understand fans' frustrations. But I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I, 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 we'll, we'll get it right. We're not that far off it, are we? We're not no. that far off it, and um, no, we, we're not far off we, the top. We're not that far off the bottom, unfortunately. Yeah, kind of in the middle, isn't it? It's kind we're of in like the middle, equal. And, um, <clears throat> you know, let's let's hope that uh, you know. When we're back to full strength and we get a full full team out there, that that, that things will 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 turn our favour. Yeah, obviously we talk about this sort of stuff every week here on the I podcast. That's, that's what we do, you know. Yeah. No, no, but I, but but like, so I just wanted to get your opinions because we we see all the fan reaction, we discuss it. I personally think some of it is a bit over the top sometimes when we lose which is fine. People can air their opinions. Um, but I guess we like to then add context in and calm everyone down sometimes. Um, but it is a process. It is like a long, a long work in progress, if you like. And I think maybe we need a few more bodies in January in some areas that we didn't necessarily plan for in the summer because we feel that we planned for a different formation. Yeah. And I think that's important in terms of where we are now with our injury situation it has highlighted areas that we don't have that many options, but we need time maybe to build that and to get that right before a season-long sustained push can really happen in, in reality. I, I have never gone into that stadium thinking the Swans are going to lose. Yeah. I don't, if you were playing Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, um, or we were playing, I don't know, we played it once, Horsham in the fourth round of the, or the third round of the FA Cup. You know, I've still gone into that stadium believing we're going to win this game. So when we don't win the game, I'm disappointed. Yeah. You know, because my expectations, I have never been so disappointed as I was after that game against Brentford in at Wembley. Because we'd been... Oh, there we Wembley. are. There's the third. There's the third one. <laughs> you know, I was, carry on. I was so disappointed that day. For me, it was a glorious day. I had a wonderful welcome from supporters and the Swans treated my wife and I to hospitality in Wembley that that day and it it was just, we'd stayed in the the Premier Inn the night before which was full of Swans fans and um, there were no Brentford fans there. They didn't need to be there. They only lived around the corner. They could walk to the game for goodness sake. Um, You know, and and, and that, we we took a walk around Wembley on, on on the the, the Friday night and the Saturday morning, we had food in the Premier Inn. Um, we, we, you know, we, it was just ah, wow! It was so exciting, and it, it was wonderful, you know. And then it was like such a disappointing game. 
Okay, quick one then. Jay Felton's red card, yes or no? No. No, I agree. No. I feel like, no. I, yeah, it was no intent at all. Not that that no. necessarily matters, but I feel like he slipped into it and, yeah, yeah tricky one. Tricky Jay one. Felton's but, you experienced know. Swan player, he's an experienced Swansea City player. It was a massive moment for him playing in a game at Wembley that could have taken his club into the Premier League. You know, people lose their heads, I know. But no, not it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. I don't think the, any of the red cards that we've had in the last two games are red cards either. Uh, yeah, I agree on that completely. We talked about that actually yesterday in our podcast. Uh, the, fir- the first one of which was confirmed by PGMOL that both yellows were incorrect. I don't. I haven't seen anything about the Liam Cullen ones, but personally, I don't think he was involved in what, whatever way in in the handbags that led to his first yellow card, and the second one, I think Ashby probably brings the player down personally. And and what I like, you know, Michael. People have mixed opinions on on on, on Michael as, as manager, but he's had yellow cards, which means yeah. he's lipping and he's that shows passion that yeah. he. he he, you know, he was incensed or whatever that he, he enough to get it. And he's on two yellows now, I think, isn't he? You know, so um, you know. Yeah, he had one in the last game, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, maybe the previous and we, one before. Yeah, the first game we talking about we have a referee where every time yeah. he referees a game, people tend more talking about him than they do about the game. Yeah, well, I mean. As enough to be said about that. We we were questioning how the system of you're not good enough for the Premier League soon go and referee in the Championship is. That's not a solution because then another club's just got to suffer. But because you're not in the Premier League, it doesn't matter. That's kind of the message it sends to to me anyway. Um, I'm not saying he should lose his job, but that's not really correcting the problems of, of why he got put there. What about Menith Newhead? Then he'd learn how to referee. Yeah, <laughs> got to play Penn football for versus, a match. I Penland versus the Monsters. Then I'll sort him out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Can't make the away day? Just get yourself comfortable, load up Swans TV, grab your phone and order a McDelivery. Away days at home never tasted so good. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, okay, well that's, that's obviously the a lot about football. I just want to end the football section with some quickfire questions. I don't want any thought into this, really. Just raw, first thing comes to your head, I guess. A little bit of fun. Okay, so I've got a few things down here. We'll see how we get on if I ask them all or not. So let's let's start. So favourite ever, favourite ever Swansea City player? I'd love That's to go. So I, I love Curtis. Trundle, ah, oh, there's loads, man. I'm gonna say Vic Gormasel. I okay. need Trundle because he'll get upset. Well, well, well. If if he he can come and he can come and tell us about why he's upset if he wants to. <laughs> but favorite favorite goal at at the club. 
that you've ever seen? Uh, any goal scored by Liam Britton, especially if he scores with his head. Playoff uh, semi? Yeah, that one. Pratley's goal against yeah. them. That, that was against Forest. Was probably... Britton scored in that game as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. But Pratley yeah. scored. Yeah. Uh, best ever Swansea manager, in your opinion? Oh my goodness! Um, uh, they don't get it. They don't get easier. <laughs> I, it's got to be between Flinney and uh, Roberto. Okay. Favorite goal? I asked. I asked. I, I meant to ask originally. Favorite goal of the Vetch, but you gave me one of the Liberty, so I'll flip it. Favorite goal of the Vetch. Oh, Thomas goal against West Ham. Okay. Favourite ever player <laughs> celebration? Against, uh, uh, yeah, Martin Thomas's goal against West Ham. Okay. Favourite ever player celebration? Swansea player. Andy Robinson's dance. <laughs> I'm sure you will be happy to hear that. Uh, no. Best or favourite away kit colours? I like the current one for obvious reasons. And we're going to talk about Karen that next. Third yeah. yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that next. Okay. Favourite ever season? Oh, my goodness. It's hard um, on the spot, isn't it, to think? <laughs> it's got to be the, it's got to be the um, promotion season. The okay, was that 2011? Yeah, it's got to be that one. Player you did not like to see on the team sheet? Oh. That's offensive. <laughs> Our preference, like you know, if he if he meant your favourite player was dropped, I don't mean to cause any offence, but you know, maybe you're like, oh, I wish he wasn't starting. Charlie Hardfield. Oh, see, there's an answer. Um, player, you cried when he left. Oh man! When Lee went to Bristol and Brits went to Sheffield United. Good answers. Player who should have played more. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, I know, in, in that season, in that season where we played again, we, we got to the playoffs at, at Cardiff and didn't win, but we won the cup. I I, I didn't feel that Truns and Roberto were used enough by uh, Kenny Jacket, um, and so that has to be my answer then they okay. should have been used more and I think had we would have got promotion whether we were ready for promotion to the championship then is another story but I still think we would have won that game interesting one former player that you would bring back to help us now in their prime oh Well, there's so Sheff many to choose from again. Well, he's playing for Sheffield United at the moment. He's their player. But he, there's I'd two. Bring back. Which one of two? There's two. Huh? McBurney, was it? Two. Who's the other one? Brewster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. No, oh, McBurney. McBurney. Do you know what? We actually. He was on our list of potential sign-ins that we we're going to discuss in the upcoming video because he's out of contract in the summer. James so. as well. Dan James, yeah. you know, love to see Dan James back. Yeah, I know, I'd, I'd love that too. Okay, not many left now. Favourite goal ever against Cardiff City? 
every single goal against Cardiff City. Oh, that's the best answer. And your favourite fan chant? Do you know, I don't always understand what they say in. And I have to say, I say to Jules as the, you know, the substitutions, I say, Jules, what they say in? And he often says, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to know. But um, I, I love that one of our own chants, you know. Yeah. Um, whatever, whoever's name you put into that, he's one of our own. I, I think there's warmth in that chant and um, there's, there's passion f- from... The, the, the swans, you know, there, and um, I love that chant. A few of them currently in the squad that are on the receiving end of that as well. So, Absolutely. we hear that, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, quite often. Okay, um, transitioning then, you mentioned your favorite kit was the third kit. Now, a little bit of background I know this, this is maybe a little bit of an emotional part of the video, and I appreciate you for sharing this with us when we do get into it. So Swansea City have partnered with Maggie's as the club's charity partner this season. Maggie's provides support for many people across the UK, including in the Swansea region, for people affected by cancer, whether directly themselves or maybe due to close relationships with people who are affected as well uh, that might have been suffering. So this season, Swansea launched their third kit as part of the Tackling Cancer Together campaign in support of Maggie's with a striking pick pink strip to help with raising awareness further about what Maggie's do and all the help that they provide to these people. So many fans might not be aware because I know you recently spoke about it in a fan forum about your own experiences, but you you yourself have had a battle with cancer for a little bit over a year now. Um, And I'm glad to be able to share that you announced that you had the all clear in the fan forum. And that's obviously very good news, very positive news. We all are very happy to hear that, you know, and I'm sure you're going to talk more about it in a second. Um, you were very thankful to the support, and you were earlier on in the podcast as well, that the club provided you within this time. And I know they've got the link with Maggie's. I just want to know your story, really, and is there any link with the, the Maggie's link part of this as well? And is that part of the support they've given you? Just everything about your experience, really. I would, I would love to hear your story here. I, I've been close to Maggie's for years. Um, I host their annual fundraising activities and I've done other events and we've got a concert coming up in the new arena um, uh, in three weeks, um, which which I'm, I'm going to host on the, the 3rd That's, of December. I was going to say, uh, Maggie's Christmas celebration on Sunday. Yeah, the that's the one. And we're looking yeah. forward to that. It's going to be great, you know. Um, lots of Swansea and Welsh performers and then choirs and it's just going to be a celebration of Christmas and a celebration of, of Maggie's but when the club announced that they were going to do this connection with Maggie's and, and release the shirt and um, uh, they showed me the shirt and I, I was sworn to secrecy as everybody who'd seen the shirt was sworn to secrecy and um, I was slap bang in the middle of my cancer treatment I was diagnosed I th- think it was a year last March um, I, I was diagnosed and it came from nowhere it was a shock I just had a, a blood test um, and the blood test showed something they had another blood test then I had um, a CT scan then I know I had an endoscopy then a CT scan and um, the, I had a phone call the day after the CT scan 
from a doctor saying, look, I know you were concerned. I know you were worried. So I wanted to tell you straight away. I've seen the, the images and um, th there is something there. I said, is it sinister? And she said, yeah. And uh, she, she said, are you there on your own? And I said, my wife is, is here. She said, let me speak to, you, to your wife. And I had to have some biopsies. And I, I still, you know, wasn't thinking. You know, I went in for my biopsies. And I, and I said to my wife, I probably won't be home because I had a ticket for the Wales-Belgium game. I was going to have my biopsy where they kind of like drill a hole in your side. And I was going to, and they said to me in, in the in the hospital, where, where are you going now after the, because you, you, it is a day patient. What, what are you going to do tonight? I said, I'm going to see Wales-Belgium. And they went, no, 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 no. What if you start bleeding? I said, well, I'll go. If somebody pushes you, I said, I'll go in early and come out later. I'll be fine. And they said no, you know, and they wouldn't let me go until they knew I couldn't get to to to, to Cardiff to watch the game. Four days later, I was in a field in North Wales, um, filming an episode of uh, an American series called Documentary Now, which is a comedy series, uh, written by um, the guys who write Saturday Night. One of the guys who write Saturday Night Live. It was a massive gig mm -hmm. uh, for me, and I wasn't going to miss it. And um, I felt fine. And then I, I then I went to see the, the oncologist, and my wife and I went in, and she said, "Look, she said um, you've got a kidney on your tumor. Uh, sorry, a tumor on your kidney." And she said, um, "We we can't cure it." And um, that was earth shattering because my only experience of, of cancer was my dad, my grand, and my uncle, all of whom had died of cancer. And she said, um, "She said, but and she said we can't operate because there are lesions on your lungs." So it's like secondary, so we can't do the operation to remove your kidney, which we would have liked to have done. So we put you on immunotherapy. Don't worry, she said, we'll manage it. We'll try to shrink it. If it doesn't work, there are numerous other treatments that we can put you on. So I was, you know, I was okay. And uh, they put me on treatment. I had a CT scan, the first CT scan. She said, oh, look, she said, the tumor is, sh is shrunk. And um, you're starting to, to the, your lungs are starting to clear. I had three months later another CT scan, and she said, Look, the tumor is shrunk. The lungs have cleared. I think we could consider surgery. And um, uh, in, in September, about two months ago, I went into Morriston Hospital and uh, they removed my kidney. And uh, I'd had a, a CT scan two days before that operation, which apparently showed the only cancer in my body was on the kidney the tumor on the kidney so you take the kidney out and the tumor goes with it and I, i've met with the surgeon since and um i've had i've met with the oncologist and had a letter that says there are no longer sign, any signs of of cancer in your body so uh, i'm still having treatment you have to finish yeah. the cycle of treatment and it means they're keeping an eye on you and i'll have a ct scan later this month and um i, I carried on you know i i, I did pantomime um last year and on my day off i went for treatment and and that's no big thing because the only problem i had in part the last year i was overweight and um since then uh, since april of this year i've lost four and a half stone and um i'm feeling i'm i'm feeling fit and uh, you know there's no cancer in my body not that's not to say it won't come back but that's not to say that any of us won't get cancer and yeah. um, the the club were amazing, and the the, the 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 Saturday before my I went in for surgery on a Friday, the Saturday before um, I was working at the stadium, doing what I do, and Mal Mal um, rang me and said, "Oh, can you come down to the Centenary Suite?" 
which effectively was the boardroom. It's where the the, the guests go. And um, yeah. and he, he said, we, it's um, Esme Altrich's birthday. She's 89. And Esme grew up in Plasmal. And they, they know, we, our families know each other. And um, I grew up in Plasmal. And uh, we wanted to sing happy birthday to Esme. So I went down. I had three phone calls saying, where are you? Where are you? I said, I'd be down now. And um, I sang happy birthday to Esme. And then all of a sudden, Mal came behind me with this massive box. And I'd had a phone call from Dyke Carpets, Budget Carpets, Big Swans fan, a couple of days before, asking me for... Son of a name. <laughs> yeah, Dyke Carpets. I, I, my wife and I are Lego fans. If you could see now, I'm in what used to be my daughter's bedroom before she left. And here at my office downstairs are full of Lego. We are, we are adult Lego fans, you know. And um, Dyke said, I'm asking, I want to buy some Lego for my nephew. And I said, oh, well, you know, I said, coming up now, because we just had my office converted and they'd supplied the floor in. I said, coming up to pay my bill anyway, so we'll have a look. And, and um, it was one of them was this massive Harry Potter train, which we hadn't done. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I love trains and buildings, building them. And um, I, I said, ah, I go for that. I said, it's expensive. That's why we hadn't bought it. And I said, you know, go for that one. And uh, in that box that Mal was holding, was that he didn't want anything for his nephew. He was, they were going to buy a present for me. So um, himself and, and the guys from Swansea.com, um, Ian Morgan from from the building company on the shirts, West Acres, and I think uh, one of the guys from Owens and uh, Rob from uh, Low Cost Van, sorry, LCV now they're called. And um, they'd all chipped in and they bought me this uh, for me to do when I come out of hospital because... I, I, I didn't go back to work for maybe two weeks. So my wife and I, that's what, how we occupied our, our, our time, building this massive Lego thing, which is downstairs in the office. So you've got a big Hogwarts yes. Express. That's kindness, you know. People didn't have yeah. to do that. I know these people care. People, Friends cared about each other. But that was a, a real act, a random act of kindness, which meant so much to us. Yeah. That's 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 a really good story. And... It's so nice to hear how you've come through it and obviously how the club pulled together and all the people involved doing that little thing, you know, just to make your life that bit better, just to cheer you up, if you like, and, and all the rest of it. Is there anything maybe you can say to anyone else that might be going through their own battles at the moment that you would like to yeah, you know, give them any words of encouragement? Listen to what they tell you, you know. Listen to what the doctors, listen to what the oncologists, listen to what the nurses were remarkable people. Um, God bless the NHS, you know. I, I can't tell you how the NHS have been good to me. And I, I see so many people. I go for treatment once a month uh, to the chemotherapy day unit. I'm not on chemo, but it's administered there, uh, my treatment. And th these are remarkable, remarkable people. And I have to say, you know, you, people don't always see what the commercial department um, and I think the fans, the official title is Fans Engagement Officer, Catherine Thomas and, and Sophie who works for her and Lee Merrills and, and the guys in that department, what they do for people, you know, who are going through tough times, you know, they what, they make sure that they get some sort of experience or present for them. And, and I, I'm proud of them and I'm very proud of, of, of Maggie's and Andrea who... 
uh, kind of looks after the the commercial, the the, the shop side. You know, the the, the she, she does the deals to who's going to spot. You know, who's going to supply the kit that picks the kits yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, and it was Andrea's idea to um, initially to have that um, pink kit and the club immediately got on board and and Ben and the uh, the the media department and the commercial department got became supportive. And uh, it, it, it was because people within the club had had cancer uh, long before my time. And uh, when you see the stories there online, and um, I, I'm going to do an interview with Sophie Davis, who I've got a lot of time for. Sophie's one of the the, the, the media team who does the interviews on, on match day. And we, we're going to chat about it, um, I think, after Christmas. And, uh, you know, there's... It's a lot of people. The number since I've gone public, um, uh, and I, I didn't want to go public because I didn't want it to become the issue. I didn't want yeah. it to be finds me as a person. But I never hid it from anybody. You know, people saw me having treatment and and went home and and, and told their family that I was there. And and um, uh, one dear fella. Uh, when oh, she said, what, what did he say? Well, he, he had the last cheese and onion sandwich. I wanted that. And that was lovely. You know, that really made me smile. And uh, there have been moments where, you know, I, I'm not going to share them, but where uh, a little bit of banter with people has, has, has made people smile, you know. And um, I, I got a lot of time when I, I just put that back in. And right. um, <laughs> people are, people go through things every day. And I'm not the only one. You know, there's there's... So many people go through this experience every single day. I think it's that age-old saying, isn't it, about when when you go through a tough time, where humour and a bit of laughter can can it's yeah. got a place, isn't it, in helping you get through it. And it's not always correct, but I think it's definitely important when when things get tough to to help you get through those tough times. But yeah, touching story. Really glad you were able to share that, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know. Will will take some sort of encouragement and some some sort of good feeling from what they've heard. Humor got, humor got me through it. My yeah. faith got me through it. But family and friends, people, got me through it. You know. Yeah. Nobody kindness. would. Nobody would kindness. Nobody would ever let me believe that this was the start of the end. You know. Yeah. I'll be honest with people when I I found out. I even thought, will I see Christmas, you know? And um, I I said to my wife, um, uh, go to my pension fund um, and, and withdraw some money from that. And we take, I, I took the family to Euro Disney because I wanted to have, build memories. I wanted to go away with, with everybody. And um, uh, we, we did that, we did that. But now I'm, I'm, I'm fit as a fiddle. I'm, I'm, I'm at the best of health that I've been in. And I, I thank everybody who's played a part in that, whether they be friends who've motivated me, the football club that has motivated me, and um, and those incredible people who, who work in the, in, in the hospital, um, who are just amazing, amazing. I can't imagine how it must feel when you first hear the news because the stigma around what it is must make you feel that way like you just mentioned that maybe it is going to get to that point but your story here just highlights how important it is to not give up and to keep fighting and oh please never give up never give up 
is there's always there's always hope you know yeah never give up and um never be positive always be positive and surround yourself with positive people don't let the negative people in in the door don't let them in the door no that's that's definitely good advice um so no, no, it's, it's good. It's great to hear. And for anyone that wants to hear more, as Kev's just said, you're going to have an interview maybe discussing further in detail yeah, in like the new do, year. I'd like yeah. to do that. I'd like to do so that. keep your eyes peeled. I'm guessing I'll be on the Swansea channel then. Or... I'd like to do that, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I look forward to that as well. I hope I hope that does happen. It'll be something definitely I'd be interested to listen to and watch. Um, but yeah, once again, thanks for sharing that. I know an emotional time, but also bit of a feel-good story as well and something that a lot of people I hope can relate to and take inspiration yeah. from you know if they if they're going through similar things themselves um, but you've made a career out of giving feel-good feelings to people of, of Swansea so if we can maybe touch on some of that now um, for the second part and maybe not as long as the football stuff but we'll see where it goes but pantomime obviously is where the biggest part of that is when when it comes to Swansea. Many people will know you from the annual pantomime of Swansea Grand Theatre, and you're there again this year. Um, I, did, I did pick up a leaflet, but I forgot to grab it now. So if you can remind me what the the, the performance is this year, is it Cinderella? It's, it's Cinderella, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. <clears throat> and am I right in saying um, AJ Pritchard is one of your AJ Pritchard, yeah, and his brother Curtis. There yeah. with us, and um, one's one was on Strictly, one was on Love Island. Apparently, was one on I'm Celebrity as well in the castle. Possibly, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. A couple of years ago, when they did it in North Wales. But anyway, what I was going to say is, obviously, people know you from the pantomime as well as you've done it yeah. all through my childhood. You know, you you were there. Um, I think you know. Remember asking my parents, "Why is there a man dressed up as a woman and <laughs> every year?" You like, find any woman <laughs> wear the costumes I wear. Trust me, I've worn flower pots, bumblebees. I've come on as a dressing <laughs> table with you know. No woman would wear those costumes, but I get what you. I understand what you would have thought as, as a youngster. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny though, isn't it? But you ask your parents that question because you're like, "Hang on, what's going on here?" This is this is like I, I don't understand. But but he's making me laugh. Um, but I just wanted to ask: like, Where did that begin? When did you realize or know you were destined for a career in that sort of entertainment and making people laugh? And when did you? Uh, how did you feel like this was what you wanted to do? Really, like where did that all begin? It was always what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be a performer. Um, but I went to I went to Bible college and uh, trained for the ministry and uh, was a minister in just outside Toxteth in Liverpool um, and, and worked in, in Birkenhead. Uh, I was then in North Wales for three years, uh, pioneering a new church there. And then I moved back to South Wales with, an, I, with a national brief. My job was to travel all over the country and, and help churches that were struggling and, and you know, needed a, a little bit of a boost. And my, my work was kind of seasonal. There were certain times of the year I didn't do anything. So I started entertaining and performing again uh, just to, to, to pay the bills, really. And um, it kind of grew and, 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 and took over. And uh, I was doing summer season in the, in the Grand Pavilion, Puff Court. And Roger Price, who was the entertainment director for that authority, said, I want you to do Panther for us um, next year. 
and um, I, I, I did Panda. My, my first one was Aladdin, was Aladdin, and then I, I did Cinderella, and then I did four Panther seasons there. Then I did one at the Grand. I did a couple at Potova, and I came back to the Grand in 1999, the millennium year, and I, I've kind of been there ever since. And, uh, you know, it's it does bring joy to people. I, I had a wonderful email last year thanking me. Um, uh, an, an aunt had brought her niece to the Pantua and, and the, the young girl's mother had been seriously ill. And she said, you know what? It was the first time I'd seen her laugh and smile in a long time. So when you, when you can touch people's lives like that, it, it's more than slapstick. It's more than, than color and costume and chaos and comedy you're touching people's lives you're making a difference yeah. and, um, and and that 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 means means a lot you know uh when you can you can do that and uh, it's great fun and it's 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 you know it's bringing people into the theater many children who come to pantomime that's their first experience of of, of theater and it's lovely to come and see them come as, as as five sometimes five generations you know great grandparents yeah. grandparents mother our children and they, they and children's children they all come and, and they say we, we we always come on christmas eve we always come on opening night we always come on new year's day or on boxing day and uh, i say thanks for coming boxing day because i miss in the fixture and um you know it, <laughs> it's it's very special it's very special i'm in the in the dressing room with I, I've got Sky on the go on my mobile phone, and I've got um, radio commentary on, on on a dab radio, listening to um, to how or watching how the things are going. We've got Southampton this year, haven't we? That's a big one. No, I won't miss that when we finish Panda with the Southampton games. I'm all right. Oh, okay, fair enough. I was going to say it's a big one that is with the former manager and all the rest of it. But um, well, no, I yeah, touching. I have to say that one of the, the one of the first texts I had after my surgery and after everything had gone public from it was from someone who knew i had cancer but one of the first texts i had saying how great it was was from russell russell martin well there we, there we go and that shows just saying, i guess i just have to say that no that's fair enough we you know? we've often talked about russell and his connection with the club the fans how real was some of it but that's as real as it could get i guess and yeah, I can't really say anything else to that. That's, that shows maybe true colours of who he is and yeah. really nice well, to hear know, that. I'm just, I'm just putting that in the, in the mix. Yeah, I did mean to ask you about him earlier, but I'm glad that you've got that in there. So, but yeah, um, thank, thanks for that. And back, back to the pantomime, definitely making a difference to people's lives who come and watch you. Like my son is two now, two in a couple of months, and I'm like, is he going to sit there for the full thing? I do want to take him. Like, is it the year or, or next year? But I'll definitely be there soon, coming to coming to watch. Um, my, my grandson came last year, a day after his third birthday, <clears throat> and he sat through the whole thing. Maybe we'll give it a go. Definitely next year, if not. So, oh, def- next, year, yeah. which, next year, next year, next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, be- something I definitely want to. I want to see. Ooh, ooh, there we are. A scoop there next year. Trapped in the beans. Store. I don't know if that's been announced yet. But has it? Has it? Well, I hope it has. I think, I it, think has it has. Now. It has. I, now. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen, but maybe it has. Um, I didn't look as far ahead as next year. Pepsi Max. I'll investigate before I put the episode up, and I'll cut it out otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so maybe maybe Jack and the Bean Store next year then. So. Um, 
but I look forward to it because I feel like it's that fun thing to do, you know, as a family and it's special. every year, like an annual thing, Christmas time is that time of year where you want to do those sort of things. And I'm looking forward to it as my first one as a dad. So yeah, I hope, uh, I hope, I'm sure you'll still be there next year and I can't wait to see it. So I'll be there next Go, year, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just meant in terms of, yeah, like, you're in, in, year, the, no. in the casting, sorry. Um, and that's yeah, probably something I, 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 I know for a fact I'll be there next year. But um, I'm not saying how I know, but I know. <laughs> it, will, it will definitely not be the same without you anyway, that's for sure. Um, oh, it, so. Do you know what? When, when Ryan Davis passed away, everybody said Panda wouldn't be the same without him. And do you know what? It, it wasn't. But you know, you know, it created. You know, then there was Kenny Smiles, and and and, and, and you know, Panda Theatre creates its own its own heroes. And um, uh, you're always, I always say, you're only as good as the last job you did. And and um, the grand is special. The grand yeah. is the star. And uh, what a wonderful theatre it is. And um, you know, but uh, it's nice to work there. Obviously, I mentioned earlier on, 31 years of doing Panto, and not all in the grand. You must have some highlights in terms of some of the actors that you might have oh, acted with. Any highlights, anyone specifically that stands out that you maybe can share a little bit of a story with us about? J Jimmy Osmond. Um, J Jimmy became a, a real friend. And uh, I did two partners with, with, with Jimmy and Mike Doyle. Mike and I knew each other anyway, but Mike, Mike and I love working together. Matt Edwards, who's in the Panther at the moment, but you know Sue Pollard, um, Gillian Taylor who fourth, who plays Kathy on EastEnders. She became a great family friend and a, and a sister as well. And uh, Vicky Michelle, Vicky and I are still in, in touch with each other, and um, through through social media, and, and both went to Buckingham Palace on the same day together uh, some years ago. So you, you know, people are very rarely. You know, people say well, anybody you've not liked working with. Do you know what? No. And if you don't click with somebody, and that sometimes happens in life, then just move on and you know, yeah. say goodbye and you know, and, and that's it. Do you know what? Some some people will think that you've maybe seen the script here because you mentioned going to Buckingham Palace, and I was going to say in 2013. You were on the MBE. You got an MBE for services to charity yeah. and the Queen's yeah. Birthday Honours. Yeah. Um, so that must have been such a special moment for you as well. It was a special moment for for me and the family, you know, um, and and it, and it is a special moment. And listen, I I brought up in Plasmal, you know, working class area. My dad was a tanker driver. Um, my mother was a social worker. But you know, we were we were a working class family and. Um, have that Welsh working class work ethic, which is is so important. So here I am standing in front of the Queen with all the power of the Commonwealth behind her, um, receiving what I felt was not deserved. Um, and I could name you a thousand other people who were, I would have put above me. And um, it, it was just it was just very very special. And uh, uh, it's, it's funny. I, 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 I've never worn the medal. I've worn it once, and that was this month. And I wore it to host the um, uh, the service of remembrance at the Brangwyn Hall, and only because I was told you must wear it. 
And I said, what do you mean you must wear it? There's no law. No, that is the occasion. Because I never wanted to wear it because I didn't want the people to think I was wearing a medal. And these guys who had chest full of medals had flipped and risked their lives to get those. I didn't yeah. want anybody to think that. You know, I had a bit of fundraising and 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 things, you know, and work for and, and charity. Because I was brought up to, to do things for, for charity, you know. My, my dad would do a, a full shift. And then we'd drive an ambulance, um, a volunteer ambulance for the Multiple Sclerosis Society, or we'd drive it in the morning, then go on afternoon shift and drive to the far end of the country. So, you know, but it was very special. It was very special. And Vicky Michelle was there that day and yeah. uh, tried to get me to hide a, a, an inscribed bucket of ballast glass in my sporran because I was wearing a Welsh killed that day. She said, put it in there, put it in there. I said, no, then take it off me. I, I won't be allowed to have a medal. But I met some very special that people that they included a guy who had won the military cross and what his act of bravery was was incredible. And they were the heroes who deserved to be there. This is where you pull out that glass to take a sip of water. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me you're a, uh, you know, there we are. <laughs> it, it was, this guy had run 400 yards. That's a full circle of a running track. 400 yards under fire from the Taliban to, to get a truck. And then he drove that truck back to his unit to rescue his unit and four Afghan national policemen. That, that is courage. And that, he was the last guy that day to receive a medal because they were, they were MBs, OBs, CBs, British Empire medals, knighthoods, police medals, fire service medals, military medals. He was the last one. And the Queen spoke to him the longest, and rightly so. He was 24 years of age. Amazing. That's No, that's incredible. And getting, maybe it seems how oh, you last while you last, but given the highlight of what he did, yeah. especially with the Queen speaking yeah. to him the longest. So definitely deserved. And yeah, I, I guess that's the sort of thing you want to highlight. But I wouldn't discredit your, your own work as well. You know, doing a lot for charity, you're well loved, as I've mentioned several times in Swansea, and I think we all think you deserve that honour as well. Kind, so people, are people are definitely quite kind. Um, and people of Swansea have repaid that kindness to you as well. Recently, in 2022, where you've been honoured in Swansea as an ambassador to the city by being given the title of Freedom of the City, joining the likes of Catherine Zeta-Jones and Alan Wynne-Jones receiving this honour. So another honour for you, but how, how did this one come about and how did this one make you feel? What does it mean to you? Um, when it was announced, um, I, I was almost horrified, really. I, I cried because I, I, I didn't want, I don't know, I didn't want maybe the attention or I, I don't know. But it, it was a great honour because possibly the greatest honor because it was um from your own city and i i love my city you know and and, and if it, if i say oh, i love swansea and somebody says well i love cardiff i love newport and if you're from those cities so you should love your city wherever you're from you should love it with all your heart 
and you, same with our country. You should, you know, I say I'm proud to be Welsh. Someone said, well, I'm proud to be English. If you're English, you should be proud to be English. You know, you should be proud. My wife is Scottish. She's proud to be Scottish. And I, I'm proud to be Welsh, but I'm proud of my city. For So for, you know, the city to, to have done that for me was um, yeah, amazing, you know. And uh, but there are so many other people out there doing things, you know, running food banks, um, looking after the homeless and the vulnerable in society and so much activity, those who are going through mental health, you know. This is 2023. People shouldn't have to go to food banks. Working people, nurses, uh, teachers, yeah. <clears throat> people who work in the emergency services, because they're not getting enough now to pay their bills, their mortgage, or run their car, which they need to get to work or pay for their kids' schooling, to pay for those trips, people have to go to food banks. You know, and it's it's wrong. It's it's it, it's 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 wrong. And um, you know, there are people every day, volunteers, and they turn up at the food banks. They 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 take soup around at night for the homeless. They are the heroes of society. And um, you know, just because your your work that you do puts your name, you know, in a public situation, doesn't make you the anymore so i will do all that i can do to you know help them and support them by doing what, what, what i do you know i remember i remember cliff richard cliff richard tells a story i, I worked with cliff in in the 80s and um he tells a story that he'd gone out to the third world with um an organization called Tear Fund, which he, I think he was president or ambassador for. And he was in a situation where nurses were given injections to, to sick children. And he said, is there anything I can do to help? From the heart. And the nurse turned around and said, can you give an injection? And he said, no. She said, well, go back and raise money so I can give injections. So if that's what I can do, that's what I'll do. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I will deliver food parcels, I've done that. I will do whatever. Trundle is a magnificent at doing that. Uh, Trundle, to, this week, he's 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 spoken to a um, health and well-being group, uh, which is a great group to speak to. I, I, I've been there. But he was at Matt Matthews' house, you know, um, meeting the staff there who who feed the homeless. Magnificent. I think I think there's there's a lot that the club does, and obviously Trundle is part of it, you're part of it. Um, as a football perspective, but I know you 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 do a lot more to char charity stuff on a wider spectrum as well for yourself. And you're right in what you're saying about there's a lot of people that do this, you know, and they're not always necessarily the name in the paper, and they don't get the recognition they deserve. But for me, I think for people who do have a platform, I think it speaks volumes when that platform is used for yeah. the right reasons to do what they can, even if it's raising awareness so more people know and more people can help and more people can get involved. And I think that's what you do ever so well. So I think, you know, that sort of award is, is the recognition and highlight of doing that. You kind of empower other people to make a difference. And the more people okay. that make a difference, the better, the better the place it'll be for everyone. Thank you. It's kind of you. No, I, I think it's, uh, I think a lot of people will agree and, you know, keep doing what you're doing and i wanted to touch on one recent one that you've you've done i'm sure you can talk about more examples if you'd like to but you recently hosted a charity fundraiser at old walls now, i'm going to detail about it i just kind of wanted to ask 
and we we have touched on it there a little bit, but how important are these sort of events for you contributing to charity? And how has that made a difference to your life? I know you're making a lot of difference to other people when you're doing them, but what does it mean to you when, you, when you're doing these things as well? That was a charity night organised by a, a young lady called Abby McNamara. Abby has cancer. She's in her early 30s. She is a beautiful person inside and out. Lovely family. And um, she had cancer. And um, she's doing okay. But she wants to put back and give back. So she put on a, a fundraising night, uh, which was a magnificent night. It was, it was just wonderful. And um, I'm not sure of what the money raised yet is. I think they're still adding everything up. Yeah, yeah. I thought their old walls, they put on a fantastic night. It was a great meal. It was it was just a lovely night. And um, and funnily, it was a great honour for me. I had to say it. But one of the guests there was the nurse from the chemotherapy day centre who was the first nurse that treated me. Obviously, since then, many nurses have treated me. Yeah. Um, Small world. She, she was the first <laughs> nurse that was treated me. She was on the table next to me, and I, I had to get up and in one of my speeches and wanted to say and acknowledge her as being the first nurse. And she was well known on, on Goa, and um, she was letting her hair down. <laughs> and, as, uh, as you all should, you know, enjoy yourself. Oh, you know, there was a few that night, and it was <laughs> magnificent. It was great, you know, and. Um, these people are magnificent, you know, incredible what they do. Incredible. Is there any other um, notable, like they're all, they're all going to be important. They're all making a massive difference, but you must have had a long line of history of, of events and charity fundraising activities you've been involved with. Have you got any that stand out as making a, like the biggest difference? Or just the, Everybody the, does, you know, and you know, yeah. all different types. I, I love doing the Maggie's uh, balls. Um, and I love working with with um, Cleese Ninny. Um, I'm what they call a vice president of Cleese Ninny, which is an award they give. And Joe Allen and his lovely wife, they are both great supporters of uh, of Cleese Ninny. And, and when you hear the stories of, of abuse and cruelty to dogs, and we, we, we have a rescue dog at home, and um, but the, the patience that is, is is shown and given to them by the families that adopt them and bring them into their families. Do you know what? There are some bad people in the world, but there are more good ones. More good ones. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Very, very true. Um, and just to end this off, I'd just like to say we've only got, you know, quite a small platform in comparison, but... If there's anything we can ever do to help, if uh, you're sharing, you're raising awareness, give me a shout and we'll be more yeah, than happy we, to do I what we can. Certainly you know? do that. Certainly do that. Um, yeah, thank you very much. So coming to the end now, but there's one thing I want to ask before the end. It's a little bit funny. I did have a look at your CV because I know you're up on, um, you, you can grab it on the, the Mark Germain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just had a look to see if there's anything in there, you know, that I could use when talking to you and question prompters if you like and I came across a bit in the the bottom part that said about your other skills one of these other skills was magician I just want to know can you ever show us a little bit of magic on the Liberty Stadium you know maybe like when we're 2-0 <laughs> down at half time sort us out you know is there anything you can show us in the half time show I, yeah, I, I used to be a magician a comedy magician yeah. all my magic was bought and um 
and I, you, it was on the skill level you could take it home and do it. And uh, but yeah, yeah, sometimes man alive, if I could wave a magic wand, uh, that referee would have disappeared. I can tell you now, <laughs> he would never have been seen again. I've got, a, I've still got my old guillotine, which um, I would head <laughs> it there, bang, come down the guillotine, and I might not have flicked the switch. I would have flicked the switch. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, don't clip that out of context. <laughs> no, don't take that out of context. Keep it in context. It's a gag. It's comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, obviously. I mean, a magician never reveals the tricks, but we know no one's uh, no one actually gets injured in the in these I things. But yeah, level it was glaringly obvious how, how the trick was done, but no one ever gets injured. No one ever gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, I I think I you took me talking about pattern man earlier, but I used to go and watch as well as the pantomime when I was younger with my parents and family, the Chuckle Brothers used to come and do a tour that came down to the Grand every year. And there's a few of those things that were that were included in their shows and I used to love them. They were amazing. They had two brothers as well, we'll call the Patton Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah. talented family. Yeah, it's um, such a shame, obviously, with, with Barry, who who's no longer yeah. with us, but I know Paul's doing the oh, rounds. I've got family that know him quite well, so he's... Um, Paul will still be in Panto this year, so. Yeah, yeah. I, where, where's he? Where's he doing that now? Is you know, this, I, I you asked me that question. I don't know where he's gone, but uh, he will be. I could Panto. probably find out. Um, yeah, my yeah. my uncle is good friends with him. He, oh, I know he's yeah. doing a lot of DJing now, and he's uh, he helped him out with with that that side of his uh, his endeavours. So let's just say, but look, Kev John. So, been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, um, really, great. really enjoyed this chat. I know it's. Well, as it dragged on, it feels like it's only been five minutes, but I can't wait to share this. I cannot wait to share this with all of our our listeners. And um, yeah, I would maybe love to speak Thank to you again in the future. And hopefully hopefully we get to chat maybe at some point in person in the future. And keep doing what you're doing, you know, because yep. you make such a difference to so many people. Um, yeah, keep keep doing it. And come on, Swans. Yeah, come on the Swans, and I'm sure we'll, we'll well everyone will hear you on the, at, down at the stadium after the international break, uh, where we're going to get a win against Hull. I want to say Hull. Hull City. Yeah, one vowel away from L. Indeed, that was one of the best lines I've had in a play. Hull, one vowel away from hell. <laughs> Think about it. Well, you'll get it in the end. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Um, hopefully that game isn't hell for us, but and we do get a win because I think we're going to need to bounce back. After, after the last one but that's us after the international break so as always for everyone that's been listening in this podcast thanks for staying with us this long I'm sure you've enjoyed it just as much as I have but if you have got anything that you want to ask Kev maybe in the future if we ever speak again let us know in the comments and I I'll, I can go and ask him or we, we can maybe have another chat sometime down the line and go and see him in the pantomime because you won't regret it and you'll be laughing all day I'm sure I hope so Bless any you, spoilers mate. for Happy us Christmas as well. Yeah, happy Christmas to you, and uh, yeah, have happy New Year as well. And um, yeah. the match has just finished, and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a muck nugget share box and a few dips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and term supply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.